Get ready to hear the truth about America on a show that's not immune to the facts with your host, Dan Bongino. All right, welcome to the Dan Bongino Show. Producer Joe, how are you today? It's showtime. Yeah, I did not ask you that yesterday. Many, <laughs> many viewers were highly upset. Really? Of course, it's a tradition. Yes, they were not happy, Joe. So I'll have to ask you twice. Producer Joe, how are you today? Hey, good. I'm doing how are you yesterday? Man. I was, he was doing good. well. Everything's cool uh, now. Yeah, so right when we got off the air, the Rod Rosenstein yeah. news broke, unbroke, rebroken, and unbroke again. <laughs> Rosenstein's fired. Rosenstein resigned. Rosenstein's not fired or resigned. Rosenstein's meeting with Trump on Thursday. <laughs> Folks, uh, I did, I, you know, I was, I was thinking about coming back and reporting it, and I'm like, I am not sure this story's accurate. I'm actually glad we didn't. Yeah. I like to hold out. So I want to get to a couple things on that. And then, uh, also, um, you know, I've been giving you the behind the scenes. What did I tell you about Dr. Ford on Thursday, Joe, the accuser of Brett Kavanaugh, mm-hmm. Dr. Christine Blasey Ford? What did I say yesterday? I told you early in the day before I, I listen, I pat myself on the back. Don't care. Oh, go ahead. Afraid. Go ahead. I told you she is not going to show up on Thursday or she she's not going to testify, I should say. She may be in D.C., mm. but I assure you she is absolutely not going to be at that hearing. Listen. Take it to the bank. I'm going to tell you why in a minute. I've got great inside scoops on this, and it is just terrific stuff. Nice. All right. Today's show, but we did call it, and now you're seeing that they're already backtracking. Today's show brought to you by our buddies at My Patriot Supply. You supply, uh, you ensure everything in your life that matters, your, your house, your car, your teeth, your health. Mm. Why would you not ensure your food supply? It's crazy talk. From hurricanes to earthquakes and cyber warfare, every American should have a plan to get through an emergency. A natural disaster or the power being out for weeks, this is more urgent than ever. We've seen again and again, repairs to infrastructure can be slow. What if you were cut off for a little while? The best place to start is storing food that lasts up to 25 years. That's 25, not 2.5, 25 years. Build a supply over time so you're ready. That's what I do. I'm up to about 12 boxes of this stuff, uh, emergency food. I trust and use my Patriot Supply for my food storage. Make today the day you do the same. Everyone in your household should have a four-week emergency food kit, and there's a special on them right now. You'll save $100. $100 when you go to my special website, preparewithdan.com. That's preparewithdan.com. Preparewithdan.com. These four-week emergency food kits are shipped fresh, discreetly to your door. Do it now. Order and save $100 per kit on their bestseller this week. Call 888-411-8926 or go online to preparewithdan.com. Whatever the world cooks up, Know this with this food, you're prepared. You get it? Yeah. Whatever the world cooks up. Did you get that? I got it. 888 I know. I always, I know. I, the big joke is how Joe always drops a bomb on me and I miss it. Not the other way around. I was just messing with it. All cool. right. <laughs> Let's get to this. So here's what's going on, All folks, right. behind the scenes. As I had said to you yesterday, um, Dr. Blasey Ford um, is not going to show up on Thursday. Here's the real inside scoop about what's going on. The Democrats who initially got a hold of these allegations from Congressman Eshoo and uh, that eventually made it to Senator Dianne Feinstein, that they released at the last minute that they've been holding from July and that they leaked. Remember, the Democrats leaked these allegations to the media. What I'm hearing from people is not what I'm hearing from people who are in the know here is that the anonymous accusations that, that well, she wanted to remain anonymous. Dr. Blasey Ford wanted to remain anonymous. And one of the theories in D.C., Joe, is she wanted to remain anonymous because the allegations were so thinly sourced that if, they were, if her name was put out in public and she was publicly questioned on them, 
that these allegations were going to collapse. I'm telling you what's <laughs> going around inside some circles here about the story. Not that anyone's story like that shouldn't be taken seriously. It should be taken seriously, though, with actual evidence, or else anybody can destroy anybody's life at any moment. And I've been on top of this from day one. It is grotesquely unfair to move to a uh, guilty until proven innocent approach. Now, what I'm getting now is the Democrats are panicking. I told you this yesterday. I want to repeat the show, but there's more. What happened last night is indicative that what I told you yesterday is true. The Democrats are panicking a bit right now. The charges by Ramirez, by the New Yorker, which we know that the Democrats went and looked for Miss Ramirez, right? She's the one now who's alleging that uh, Kavanaugh exposed himself. We know to her in college, um, we know, according to the New Yorker's own uh, sloppy, uh, ridiculous, outrageously poor reporting, that it was the Democrats who went out looking for these charges and found Miss Ramirez and the, the, me- the memories of this incident of Judge Kavanaugh allegedly exposing himself. There were, uh, she only found them, these, these memories, after six days of trying to recall them. Oh. Now, how Miss Ramirez is going to remember something that she had seemingly forgotten after six days that's decades old is, is uh, worthy of questioning, to say the <laughs> least. Yeah. What I'm getting is that this was the backup plan. They simply cannot allow Dr. Blase Ford to go under oath, Joe. There are very serious questions about the details of her story. Primarily, is she describing Brett Kavanaugh? Or is she talking about someone entirely differently? You, you see where I'm going with this? Yeah. They cannot put her under oath under any circumstances. I'm telling you, this will destroy the Me Too movement. This will destroy the Democrats' credibility on this. And they're already preparing for what's going to happen when Ruth Bader Ginsburg's seat becomes available, whether she steps down or uh, the seat becomes open for other reasons. They're already preparing. What they cannot do, Joe, is have this strategy of sexual assaults and allegations of sexual assaults from 30 years ago fall apart because they want to use it again. Mm -hmm. They cannot. They are. They are. I'm sorry, folks. This story just infuriates me and I'm trying to get to the, 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 the gist of what I want you to take away. But it matters so much what's going on right now. And this whole thing focuses on Republican weakness. The Democrats know they have nothing. What they're relying on, and what I was trying to get to here, Joe, is they are relying on Flake or Collins or Murkowski, one of the weak Republicans. They are relying for for them to come out with a no vote. Once they come out with a no vote, all the red state Democrats, Manchin, Donnelly, Heidkamp, will be given a pass. They'll say, well, the Republicans Mm -hmm. voted him down, too. There's no reason we should support them. Uh, Look, Susan Collins trusts that these allegations are true. Yeah, They are waiting and pressuring. They're buying time right now, folks. They're buying time, hoping they can create a cascade of allegations, however spurious, non-corroborated, or evidence-free they are, against Kavanaugh, Joe, to create public pressure on Collins, Flake, and others to bail, to pull their vote, to notify either publicly or privately, they'll get wind of it, McConnell, that there are no vote on the floor. And then the Democrats can claim victory and use it again. They Notice what I didn't say. Mm. What I didn't say is they're relying on the testimony <laughs> of Dr. Blasey Ford to sink this nomination. Now, <laughs> right. 
Right. If, if this, if if I, if Joe was nominated for the Supreme Court and I'd made these allegations against Joe, and you believe them, the sinking of Joe would be done by the allegations. Look, this is serious stuff. Bingo. The problem is they can't have her testify because they're not sure. As Diane Feinstein slipped and said herself, they're not sure the allegations are true. So, here's what happened last night. Here's why I'm bringing it up again. <laughs> uh. Miss Katz, the lawyer for Dr. Blasey Ford, last night, all of a sudden, as predicted yesterday morning when we recorded this, threw another obstacle up. All of a sudden now, she wants to know the resume, the name of the, uh, of the trained sex crimes investigator who's going to do the questioning of Miss uh, uh, Blasey Ford. She wants the name now. So she said, oh, yeah, we agree to appear on Thursday, which was nothing more than the delay tactic. And I told you the significance of the October 1st deadline. Now, uh, I had a little Twitter correspondence and DM with a guy and he said, oh, his friend said the October 1st deadline is not as significant. I strongly disagree. I, I'm not I can't for for, you know, for reasons of my own personal integrity, tell you how I know. But the October 1st deadline is significant. The act- having her testify on Thursday significantly impacts seating Kavanaugh by October 1st. Also, it's not just the, the public sessions. I can't explain anymore without giving stuff away, and I don't want to do that. It is, it's not catastrophic, but it's certainly significant. I told you that yesterday, that they won the battle, but the war isn't over. Folks, they needed to delay, delay, delay. They cannot, under any circumstances, allow Dr. Blasey Ford to talk under oath. They can't because the Democrats themselves have significant questions about this story. And Joe, do you see where I'm going with this? Sure. If the story collapses under oath and a trained investigator gets gets the detail and the details don't marry up Mm. exactly with what she said before, it is going to absolutely crush the Democrats and their ability to use this again in the future. Right. Because they will have been exposed as using a questionable witness in a in a trial to take down potentially an innocent man. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? They cannot let her testify no matter what. Nope. It will not happen. I, I'm telling you, all you have to do is read their emails and stuff when mm. on their list. You can see where they're going with this. It's not hard to figure out. I'm not Listen, I was a federal investigator, but I'm not I'm not uh, trying to be like Inspector Clouseau here. I'm just telling you, if you read their internal traffic, their email stuff, and you read these select Twitter accounts, you can pick up common threads. The thread in the theme early on in this case was throw out Dr. Blase Ford's testimony, assuming the Republicans, would, the minute they heard it, the weak ones, uh, Collins and Flake would flake out. Now, Flake has been putting a serious monkey wrench in this whole thing, but he's not an absolute no yet. Mm. This has the Democrats bothered. For as weak as Flake is, they thought they'd have him by now because they smell weakness and they know who Flake is. But Flake's not an absolute no yet. So the goal here, to be crystal clear, is to drag this thing out over a course of days. Keep proposing dates, canceling the dates, throw up a new obstacle. Now the new obstacles, they're demanding the name and the resume of the investigator who's going to question her. If they don't get it, you watch. There is no way they're going to show up on Thursday. Now, so uh, plan number one, delay, delay, delay. Hope the public pressure is enough to get Flake to Flake out. 
get Susan Collins to vote no. If that doesn't work, so you hope you're tracking. Plan number two. Right, right. Introduce new and more salacious, however questionable, potentially untrue, and evidence-free they are. Yeah. Introduce more salacious allegations over the day and create a tidal wave of uncertainty around this nominee, Joe. Yeah. Now it's going to be, uh, as as you know, clown, clown guy, Avenatti, who's a clown, who I was on Fox last night and said, you know what, he's not, a, he's an embarrassment to clowns. I want to apologize to clowns. <laughs> Creepy porn lawyer, Avenatti. Throw Avenatti out there. Have Avenatti accuse him of rape trains and gang rapes. Oh, you think I'm making that up? Just Google, this is Avenatti. This is who Avenatti is, right? Yes, yes. It'll it'll get worse and worse and worse. You are going to see, and it's going to create however uncertain, however evidence-free these allegations are. They hope to drag it out over time to create a cloud of suspicion that Judge Kavanaugh can't possibly escape from. Now, a couple other things about this. So, again, number one, delay it. Number two, if it can't be delayed... Create a cloud of uncertainty by introducing more salacious stuff. That's what's going to happen. Create pressure on Flake and Collins. couple other things. The polygraph. The Republicans have, I think rather smartly, asked for the polygraph. What polygraph? Well, Dr. Ford, who claims she wanted to remain anonymous, took a polygraph before this thing went public. Hmm. Why you would do that um, I'm still unsure. Now, the polygraph, which Joy Behar ridiculously, because she is ridiculous, calls a lie detector test. It is not a detest- It does nothing of the sort. A polygraph test does not in any way detect lies. It is a physiological indicator only that helps a trained interviewer detect deception. You know what a poly? You ever have a polygraph, Joe? No, I've never had no. one. I've had, yeah, I've seen them given, but I've never had one. Yeah, they put a a little elastic kind of band around your diaphragm. Mm -hmm. What does that do? Detects changes in your breathing. Mm -hmm. They put a a pulse monitor on your finger. You get a blood pressure uh, measure sometimes, depending on how skilled these, these guys are. And they measure physiological indicators of what they think are deception. Ladies and gentlemen, a lie detector test does not detect lies. As I said before, you have to be an idiot to believe that lie detector tests are not admissible in court because they don't detect lies they're polygraph tests it totally involves the skill of the interviewer now importantly the reason why a lot of polygraphs are not admissible is because number one they don't detect lies but secondly it involves the skill or lack thereof of the interviewer joe so the republicans smartly asked for the polygraph questions that were administered to Dr. Blasey Ford. Because remember, they did a press release and what they say, well, look, uh, Dr. Ford passed the polygraph test. So everybody assumed, oh, she must be telling the truth. Well, but then, yeah. Joe, the truth about what? Huh? No one knows the questions. I can say Joe Armacost passed the polygraph test. Number one, like I said before, it doesn't really mean anything. It doesn't detect lies. Right. But secondly, what were the questions? Now, yeah, yeah. I'm not disputing, and I want to be clear on this, I mean it, that something may have happened to Dr. Blasey Ford. The question is not right now for the purposes of this, did something happen to Dr. Blasey Ford? It is for her and her family. The question, because she needs to get to the bottom of that if, if it's causing her some problems in her life. She does. The question is, 
was it Brett Kavanaugh who was intersected with that incident in the way she says? That's the question for all of us because he's running to be on the Supreme Court. Not running. He's in a, there's no, it's not an election, excuse me. He's getting ready to be confirmed potentially for a Supreme Court position. That's the question. So I'm starting to notice, and Paul Sperry put on Twitter uh, yesterday, he writes for the New York Post and others. He wrote an interesting uh, little tweet there saying that there are now some allegations surfacing that the polygraph questions, Joe, were questions about an incident, which again, I don't have any doubt something happened to Dr. Ford, Joe. Mm -hmm. The question is, was it Kavanaugh who was at that happening with the air quotes? Did the questions ask, did something happen to you? Of course she would pass if she's telling the truth. Or, or was the question, did Brett Kavanaugh do this, this, and this to you? Ladies and gentlemen, I would be astonished if Kavanaugh's name appears in that context in the polygraph questions. How about that? How about that is right. Mm Mm-hmm. Anybody can pass a polygraph test if they're telling the truth. And like I said, I don't have any doubt something happened to her. I'm just not at all sure based on the absolute lack of evidence, any corroboration, and the fact that she produced three witnesses that say otherwise that Brett Kavanaugh was that guy. That explains the polygraph away. That's point. That's what's going on behind the scenes now, too. Well, I don't want to say behind. I don't want to be dramatic. Uh, Sperry put it out there. A lot of people are getting wind of this. Um, the polygraph may, the, the, the questions are absolutely imperative here. You see where I went with that, right, Joe? Oh, if yeah, the question yeah. matters. Did something happen to you? Yes. She, uh, yeah. And then the, the interviewer writes, hey, in the, all indications are she's telling the truth. Okay. Nobody's disputing that. The real question should have been, did Brett Kavanaugh do this, this, and this? That's what we need to know what was asked. Right. Okay? But they're not producing the questions yet. Now, here's another angle. So we have three obstruction techniques. They're not producing the polygraph questions. They're asking for the name and the resume of the questioner, and they're going to, believe me, they're going to say no. Here's the third one. The Democrats are now demanding that Mark Judge testify uh at the at the uh at the testimony in, on capitol hill on thursday why would they want that mark judge if you if you don't remember uh judge is one of the guys that dr ford alleges was at the party in right. question mm-hmm. and that and she also alleges he's the guy mark judge that jumped on top of them when kavanaugh was attacking her judge joe under the penalty of perjury categorically denies this. He has already come out and given a statement under the penalty of perjury that this did not happen. She's claiming he's a witness. How can he be a witness to something he's claiming absolutely didn't happen? She's giving his name not as the attacker, as a witness. Joe, think about what I'm telling you here. If you go to the cops and say, I was robbed, that guy's a witness, and the guy says, I have no idea what he's talking about, You don't want to bring that guy into court. No. Right? So why are the Democrats, this this is important. This is important. So why are the Democrats, not the Republicans, the Democrats so eager to get Mark Judge in front of a television camera on Thursday at this hearing? Because Judge, 
according to, excuse me, judge, not drudge, judge has a, from what I'm hearing, some history of, of writing about drinking and partying in high school. So what they want to do is if, and I'm telling you, don't worry, the, uh, Dr. Ford is not going to show up, but if they can get judge there, and this may be one of the reasons they want Kavanaugh and judge to go first, Joe, if they can get Kavanaugh and judge to go first, they can say, oh, the, the uh, recounting of uh, and the denial of what happened and the, and, and the, uh, and the testimony by judge and, 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 and Kavanaugh was too traumatic. Dr. Ford is not going to testify today. Don't be surprised if something like this happens. Because what are they going to do? They're going to ask judge about his history of drinking at all of the parties he went to, mm-hmm. and they are going to do a guilt by association thing. Are you picking this up, Joe? 10-4. They want Judge there because Judge, according to what I'm hearing, already has some, some history of, you know, and it's not, I'm not suggesting, please, at all, anything nefarious at all. I'm just suggesting that, you know, in high school, like most people, he may have went to some parties, and, but they want to hammer him because they don't have anything on Kavanaugh. So they need Judge as an anti-character witness. And that would be the plan. If push comes to shove, have them go first, say it's too traumatic, Dr. Ford uh, 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 takes, uh, takes her name out of the testimony in the last minute says, I don't want to do it. Folks, I'm telling you, the Democrats never expected this to go this far. They were hoping that the anonymous allegations and the leaking of them was enough to pressure the Republicans to fold. McConnell did not fold. Grassley did not fold. And now it's a war of attrition. But she will not show. I told you yesterday, I bet my credibility on it. Yeah. And I was right. She's not going to show up. I'm telling you, there's no way. There is way too much liability. All right. Um, I got an interesting theory for you. I This is really good. I'm going to hat tip the conservative treehouse guys. He put out something really interesting that I... Um, I had considered a long time ago in a different context, but not now. And I thought it was a really good theory on, on Rosenstein and what's going on behind the scenes. So don't miss this, but uh, let's get this out of the way. Again, I always appreciate your patience with our sponsors. They love to be here. They love to talk to you because you matter. Uh, Teeter, I love this product. I just used it. Got off it about 25 minutes ago. I use it every morning. I can't say enough about it. The Teeter Inversion Table. It uses gravity in your own body weight to decompress your spine and relieve pressure on your discs, surrounding nerves, and your joints. It has been absolutely pivotal for my uh, arthritis, which is getting really ugly. Decompressing on a teeter inversion table for a few minutes a day is a great addition to anyone's daily routine to maintain a healthy spine and active lifestyle without the pain. If you have back pain or you've been lucky enough to avoid back pain, use the teeter every day to invert and keep your back and joints feeling great. It works terrific for me. I feel like a new man when I get off that thing. It decompresses my spine. It's also good for my shoulders. Some products I talk about I use regularly. Some aren't regularly used. This one I use every day twice. I do it now and before my NRA TV show. Over 3 million people have put their trust in Teeter. They're the only inversion table brand that has been both safety certified by UL Laboratories and FDA registered as a class one medical device. For a limited time, you can get Teeter's upgraded model of the inversion table with traction handles, easy reach ankle system, and stretch max handles, plus a free vibration cushion for the ultimate muscle relaxation. Regular price is $499, but they're offering it to our listeners for $349. That's a savings of $150 at Teeter, T-E-E-T-E-R.com slash Dan. That's Teeter.com slash Dan. Get the Teeter inversion table 
plus a free vibration cushion, free shipping, free returns, and a 60-day money-back guarantee at teeter.com slash Dan. That's teeter.com slash Dan. Folks, I can't recommend this thing highly enough. I've never felt better. And you get off it and you get the teeter high. You feel great. So it's really, really good. Give it a shot, teeter.com slash Dan. Okay. So uh, I was reading an email forwarded to me yesterday by uh, one of my one of my peeps out there, and they sent me some snippets from an article they had read. And apparently, the uh, there's an interesting thing by this uh, this guy uh, Mark who writes at this uh, website, this uh, conservative treehouse website. He had an interesting theory on the delay of the declassification and what's going on with Rosenstein. I want to I want to uh, point out two things he makes. Uh, he two points he makes. Number one, that the Delay in firing Rosenstein at this point may be a tactically efficient maneuver. I mean, this isn't really groundbreaking, but I'll put it out there before we get to the second one, which is really good, uh, because it can be used as an obvious cudgel at this point against Rosenstein. Why? Uh, Joe, it's going to be obvious once the declassification comes out of the fourth FISA, the Bruce Orr 302s and the text between McCabe Orr and others, that there was very, very serious FISA abuse. I mean, none of this is new. Uh, clearly, the dossier was used, the fake dossier, to target American citizens. And the problem and the reason Rosenstein has serious liability here is Rosenstein signed the fourth FISA, the last one, the third renewal. Right. So I, I think that's you know fairly obvious that it's gonna it can be used right now as a cudgel against Rosenstein. But once Rosenstein is out of the department, I'm not suggesting I'm changing my strategy at all. After the midterm elections, I believe Rosenstein has to go because he's just polluting the entire department with his obstruction. But I don't think there's a question right now that on the outside, Joe, Rosenstein is far more dangerous. Uh, Rosenstein, while he's on the inside, is subject to administrative procedures. And remember what I told you a while back about the difference when they're on the inside versus they're on the outside and why I believe people like Peter Stroke and Bill Prystep in the FBI, uh, Stroke was kept around for a long time and Prystep's still there. Folks, when you're an administrative employee, when you're still an employee with the federal government, like I was with the Secret Service, they can compel you under administrative rules to talk. They can compel you under penalty of losing your job. But in order to do that, you have to have your job. Now, that does not does not negate your ability to plead the fifth. But Joe, you're going to have to do it as a private citizen because what, Joe? You're going to be fired. Yeah. So the point I'm trying to make is having Rosenstein on the inside, he's still subjected to administrative procedures if the IG wants to talk to him. The same thing I think is happening with Price Step, and the same reason I believe Peter Stroke was kept around uh, longer than everybody saying, why does Peter Stroke still have a job? If you listen to yesterday's show, I believe Peter Stroke was involved in an obvious canary trap. Uh, yesterday's show I covered, I don't want to repeat it, but uh, a text he writes there where, hey, listen, we were being honest with the media and the information was just wrong. Why was the information wrong? Was he being fed the wrong information in an effort to trap leakers? Seems highly likely at this point. Again, these are things while they're on the inside, they can control. When they're on the outside, you don't have that administrative cudgel anymore. Once you fire these employees from the DOJ or the FBI, there is no administrative cudgel, and they're probably just going to plead the fifth at that point. Claim Fifth Amendment privileges. Second, though, this is fascinating. I didn't really consider this. The IG report about FISA abuse has not come out yet. Ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be, I believe, uh, Michael Horowitz, who is the Inspector General of the Internal Affairs for the U.S. government, essentially, has a report coming out soon on the FISA abuses. Remember, 
the initial IG report, the one that was done and finished up a few months ago, the one Peter Stroke responded up at the Hill uh, to, to, uh, to give testimony on. Yeah. The initial IG report, folks, was not on the Pfizer abuse. Don't forget this. Don't get lost in the details here. It's a complicated case, but this is very important. It's extremely important. Horowitz is also doing a subsequent internal affairs IG investigation on the abuse of the FISA courts by the Department of Justice and the FBI to spy on the Trump team. That report has not come out yet. And what's a very smart analysis, keeping Rosenstein around and not declassifying the information just yet may have been a strategic ploy by Trump. Why, Joe? I know a lot of you are upset. Why didn't he, de- you know, he declassified, then he pulled back. Yeah, why? You, you guys saw that, right? In the mm-hmm. audience, you remember? Trump ordered the declassification, and then he said, I'm going to turn this over to the IG for review. I'm still interested in getting this stuff out there and the speed of it, but we're going to take a step back for a minute. I missed that, and it's a good point that maybe he's turning it over to the IG, Joe, to make sure that the IG's FISA report is an honest one. Ah, some in the audience maybe I promise I'll tie this because this is super critical you get this yeah yeah, go ahead the last report from the IG on stroke and the Clinton email investigation was decent but it was not as thorough as a lot of people would have liked Um, it, it left a lot of open questions I think what a lot of people in the government are afraid of is that the IG report is not going to, let's say, get to the bottom of what actually happened and may leave some, some intentional untied shoelaces. In other words, it may not put two and two together where two and two are sitting right in front of you equal in four. Okay. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So the Trump administration, and it's smart, I should have considered this, probably held back the declassification, turned it over to the IG. In other words, saying, hey, listen, daddy-o, Horowitz, <laughs> love you, buddy. But if you don't put out an honest report on what happens, I'm going to declassify all this at the same time or roughly the same time. And you're going to have to answer why your report doesn't address A, B, C, D, and E. Bingo. Mm. Excellent analysis. Excellent. Excellent. And hat tip to the woman, you know who you are, sent that to me. That is a great, great point. That if there's still loose ends that are, uh, but by the way, I'm not talking about loose ends that are actually loose. I'm talking about like, we know what was in the FISA because it's going to be declassified. We can read it ourselves. If the IG report attempts to gloss over that, Joe, to put lipstick on that pig, like, well, it wasn't that bad. Uh, we'll see. Kind of, sort of, maybe. The Trump team now has this potent weapon that says, really, guys, how did you come to that conclusion? Because remember Trump's tweet? I sent the documents over to the IG for review. Brilliant. <laughs> right? Yeah. That's I, I, I'm kind of, you know, listen, you know me. When I hear something from someone else, I throw a hat tip out there. I, I don't pretend to be um, uh, omnipotent in these, in these matters. We do a lot of research, but sometimes we, I miss that. I was really upset that that didn't occur to me. Why? And I remember thinking, why the IG? Why the IG? Why the IG first? Now it makes a world of sense. The, ins- the inspector general is going to put out this report documenting the Spygate scandal through the use of the FISA courts to spy on the Trump team. What a great way to keep them honest to say, hey, by the way, here's all the declassified documents. Your report better get to the bottom line. You better tie those shoelaces, pal. And if you don't, 
we're going to drop this nuclear bomb out there and show that your report isn't in fact accurate. Excellent, excellent point. And that point comes to light with a couple other things I missed yesterday as well uh, that I want to get to, too. So, uh, again, just to kind of sum up where we've been, Ford's not going to show up on Thursday. We laid that out. Secondly, interesting theory on why the delay in the declassification keep the, uh, keep the IG honest, and also why keep Rosenstein around. Now, at this point, Rosenstein is, uh, Rosenstein's in bad shape. I mean, Rosenstein knows that this is coming out soon. Rosenstein is well aware he's going to look bad. Yeah, on the outside, he's a lot more trouble. You don't have administrative control over him. So, you know, keeping him around, at least till after the elections, may not be, uh, may not be the worst idea in the world. Okay. Um, I didn't get to this yesterday, but it's important. I got to pull up. I, t- I, I don't. I try to save paper, so I take screenshots of articles rather than printing five thousand different things for the desk. But as the show's gotten more sophisticated, Joe and I have had to like bump up the, uh, you know, the, uh, the the quality in the. And all, uh, you told me not to say anything, so I'm not going to say. Yeah, it. I'm going to leave that out completely. Thank you. We'll let the we'll leave the audience to. You, you'll see what I mean, and maybe in a couple of days after we gauge your reaction, we'll tell you what we're talking yeah. about. Um. Story I wanted to get to yesterday, which I missed because it was such a busy news day, is the two central tenets of this case against Donald Trump for alleged collusion and Spygate are completely falling apart. And John Solomon, I have the story in yesterday's show notes. Um, you know what? I'll, I'll put it in today's too. Again, has a story up at the Hill that is absolutely critical and devastating. Remember, what I've said to you from the beginning is paragraph one of this case is the real scandal. What was the scope of document that laid out the scope and the reasons for the Trump investigation at all. We still don't have that, folks. The story has changed three or four times. First, it was the dossier. Then it was Carter Page. Then it was Papadopoulos. Then it was back to Carter Page. Now it's Papadopoulos again. A couple of things happened you may have missed. One of them I alluded to already in yesterday's show, but the follow-up to it's critical. Number one, Alexander Downer, who met with Papadopoulos in a piece by Chuck Ross, which is also in yesterday's show notes, has now come out and said that there was, quote, nothing nefarious at the meeting with Papadopoulos. So the allegations that this Trump advisor and George Papadopoulos met with Downer and they started talking about Russian emails and all this other stuff are now completely entirely debunked by the guy who was actually at the meeting in Alexander Downer. That's out. That's done. That paragraph one allegation that that's how it started is now completely negated. Over. It's over. What's problem number two in Solomon's piece in the Hill? One of the reasons there was heavy demand for a special counsel to investigate Trump, Joe, was not just the firing of Jim Comey. Remember, it happened after the firing of Jim Comey. Mm -hmm. But that wasn't the only reason. One of the reasons they used was the intelligence community assessment released in December. Remember these 17 agencies? The 17 agencies, the 17 agencies came to the conclusion that the Russians tried to impact the election and, 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 and they did it to help Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. Let me read to you. I know I covered this a little bit. I'm telling you the whole thing's falling apart. And this is why Rosenstein's in trouble because they knew all this when they signed the Ford FISA. I'm going to move on, but I want you to read that. I want to read this to you quickly. This is uh, from John Solomon's piece. Now congressional investigators have unearthed text messages and emails showing the FBI feared that there were some in the intelligence community with, quote, partisan axes to grind 
and suggesting there could be no singular conclusion that Moscow wanted to help elect Donald Trump. Ladies and gentlemen, the whole entire case is collapsing in front of our eyes. It is collapsing. The whole thing. Their paragraph one story. Oh, George Papadopoulos did it. Eh, Nope. Downer says no. Oh, the ICA, the intelligence community, 17 of them, they agreed that the Russians wanted to help Donald Trump get elected. Not according to the FBI, which is one of the lead agencies over there that understood there were, quote, partisan axes to grind. They know they are in a world of trouble right now. They cannot nail down a reason to put together retroactively and reverse engineer a case against Trump. They were praying Bob Mueller would come in and rescue them and shut enough people up or dig up something that it would keep the press hot on the trail of Donald Trump. And it is not working. And this pending release of the FISA has them absolutely stewing. They do not know what to do, folks. They are freaking out right now. Trust me on this. The Democrats know it's coming. They need this Kavanaugh story to stay alive and keep this out of the news because it is going to be devastating when that information comes out. Um, okay. Folks, did you, uh, did you see what happened to Ted Cruz last night? I heard about it, yeah. Yeah. This is bad. Um, it's getting ugly out there. Now, I have an article in the show notes today from the Washington Examiner, uh, and, and thank you all for this, by the way. Uh, I really appreciate it you all responding to these polls the right way. A GOP voter enthusiasm poll is up dramatically. Uh, The Democrats had a 12-point gap in enthusiasm when they asked people, quote, are you very interested in the upcoming election? That's the actual question, Mm -hmm. uh, using the term very interested, so you understand the methodology. The Democrats had a 12-point advantage in that poll, which is catastrophic in a midterm election. Keep in mind, folks, in a midterm election, just so you understand the dynamics of electoral politics, I don't want to bore you with the wonkery, but having run um, in both a presidential and a midterm, you uh, you understand and you you get briefed on it from consultants and stuff how this works. Midterms traditionally favor Republicans. In other words, non-presidential elections. Why? Again, I'm just giving you the statistics. You can. This is not in any way, you know, dispositive. Things can change, but the electorate tends to be a bit older. In other words, a lot of younger voters don't vote in midterms. I don't know if it's because they don't know there's an election coming up, if they're just not interested, if because there's not a president on the ballot, uh, it doesn't spice them up. I'm, I'm not sure. There's a number of theories as to why. It's beyond the scope of this show today. Just know this: the electorate in midterms tends to be older. And it tends to be whiter. Some uh, minority voters oh, stay home in, in, in percentages larger than they would. And again, I'm not making any conclusions. I'm just telling you those are the numbers, right? It tends to be an older, whiter electorate in the midterm. A lot of those voters will vote, will vote Republican. So midterm elections are usually Republican-leaning from the get-go. This one is not. Democrat voter enthusiasm is, was up 12 points. Folks, that's a big deal. 12 points in a midterm is huge. It's potentially catastrophic and could have led to a blue wave. Now, the gap has closed significantly. It is now 65% of Democrat voters who are very interested and 61% of Republican voters. Republican voters are coming around. Now, what's critical about this, and the reason I brought this up with Cruz, I didn't like lose myself there. There's a reason. The poll was taken, Joe, before Kavanaugh. And the charges came out against Kavanaugh. I have not seen an issue in my time in politics and activism. I'm not sure you have, Joe, either. Since Obamacare, that has egged on and PO'd 
Republican voters more than what's happening right now to Brett Kavanaugh. I almost guarantee you that voter enthusiasm poll gap is going to become even with potentially Republicans surpassing Democrats in the coming weeks in this poll. This is a very bad sign for the anticipated blue wave. Now, making it worse is the Democrats are constantly subjected to these radical extremist left-wing groups that will not leave Republicans alone in public. Aggressive, hyper-aggressive confrontation in public, putting it out on videos. This is going to be used as a motivating factor for Republican voters. Folks, voters don't like chaos. They hate chaos. They don't like the idea of people being accosted in public. Here's the story. Ted Cruz and his wife last night went out to a restaurant in D.C. A group uh, which ironically calls themselves Stop Racism. And ironically, I say because it was a bunch of white people attacking a Hispanic senator and his wife in a restaurant. Uh, or uh, The group calls themselves Stop Racism. They should call themselves Racism D.C., right? <laughs> so, right? You want to play that game? Fair is fair, right? So a group calling themselves Stop Racism in D.C. decided it would be a good idea to aggressively confront uh, Senator Cruz and his wife in the restaurant at one point, blocking his wife's way out, which, um, you know, listen, you, you lay your mitts on my wife. Uh, we're going we're gonna to have a very serious problem. I'm just going to put that out there now um, in case you get any ideas. You can confront and say whatever you'd like to me, sticks and stones, right? That's fine. And I've had it happen in public in an airport. But you put your mitts on me, uh, it's game time. And I'm not talking about the basketball game either. You touch my wife, we're going to have a problem. Get it? So this, uh, but the, they, they get in the way of his wife, and Senator Cruz handles it like a gentleman, which he is. Uh, he tells the crowd, you know, God bless you. They start screaming in his face. Um, one guy tells him how, what does he say, how ugly he is compared to Beto. Apparently his opponent, Beto O'Rourke, is better looking. Folks, this is not helping. Now, the problem is the Democrats, through the Maxine Waters types, have egged on their radical far-left base so much that when you combine this, you combine this with Kavanaugh, which did not show up in the polls because the numbers were taken before the charges against Kavanaugh. When you take these numbers together, I believe, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not sure, I don't want to sound categorical on this, but I think the Democrats may take the House, but I think they're in a world of trouble in the Senate. I think these numbers are going to turn. I think there's going to be a closing of the gap as Kavanaugh's situation gets worse and worse. And I think the Democrats have grossly, grossly, tactically miscalculated the Republican audience in this midterm election. I think it is what they're doing right now is so tactically stupid and dumb. Um, I, it, it's actually surprising to me that they're because they're usually smarter than this. I'm actually astonished by how dumb they are. And it's happening everywhere, by the way. Um, okay, I got two more stories I want to get to, and they're really good ones, too, that, including a just incredible op-ed by Shelby Steele about the phobophobic istophobes. That's important we talk about. All right, finally, today's show brought to you by our buddies at Brickhouse Nutrition. You know, I'm a big fan of Miles and the company over there. They've been with me from the beginning. Mm -hmm. uh, I just want to tell you about one of their products that I started with, what, three years ago now and been using ever since. I know Joe, little Joe uses it. Yep. It's called Foundation. It is a creatine ATP blend. I think it's the finest nutrition supplement for peak performance and peak looks uh, on the market today. Now, listen, you know, some people are CrossFitters, mixed martial artists, they're military, they're firemen, they're just, they really, they need energy in their active lives. Performance matters to you. Some people, I don't know, you know, you're young, you're single, or you're married, you're not single, you want to look good for your wife, you still want to look good. Well, what if I told you there's a product that did both of those things? There is. It's fantastic. It's called Foundation. Now, if you don't believe me, take the mirror test. This is a Dan Bongino original. 
Go pick up a bottle of foundation at BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. I'm so confident it'll work. I ask you to take the mirror test. Go look at yourself in the mirror. Take a little mental snapshot. What do I look like? My shoulders, the, the pectorals there, the deltoids, the latissimus dorsi. What do I look like? I know the whole uh, anatomy chart from years of doing bodybuilding and stuff. Trapezius, serratus, supraspinatus, infraspinatus, teres. I'm telling you, I can go through the whole anatomy chart, right? Look at yourself. Load up on the stuff. Take it according to the instructions. I say load because creatine has to load in your system. It takes, it takes about five days. Then take another mental snapshot of what you look like five, seven days later. You're going to be like, whoa, doggies. Stuff is terrific. You will not regret it. The reviews are spectacular. Go to BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. That's BrickHouseNutrition.com slash Dan. Pick up a bottle of foundation today. Um, okay. Shelby Steele has a tremendous op-ed in the Washington, uh, actually not the Washington Post. Did I, did I say that before? I meant the Wall Street Journal if I said that. Sorry. Shelby Steele is a gifted writer, and he comments on identity politics uh, and issues like that often, and his work is incredible. And he talked about something that I want to discuss today and kind of end the show on, um, because it's important, folks. He talks about how the left, how we should all smile a little bit. I know we're living in really tough times. I get it. I, I'm, you know, I'm not Tony Robbins. I'm not trying to give you all an inspirational speech, but you know, I think unlike some commentators out there, a lot of good people do really good work. Um, I ran. I left my job to do it, and I know what it's like to be viciously attacked by liberal media folks while you're running for office. It's brutal. It's, they will find anything on you. They will lie about you. They, it's just a horrendous experience. So this means a lot to me. And one of the things media people do all the time is they attempt to create narratives or storylines. Those storylines are rarely, if ever, based in fact. And the storylines are typically targeted against Republicans. So the Shelby Steele piece in the Wall Street Journal is critical. And, and, and then the reason it's critical, folks, is the left is running out of steam. They're running out of steam completely, and you need to smile a little bit. The gist of it is this, that whereas liberalism painted itself in the, in the 60s and in the, civil, uh, in the civil rights fights as the paragon of virtue on the other side of this known malicious entity, which was institutional racism, which was clear. Jim Crow, I mean, Joe, these were actual de jure yep. laws uh, yep. on the books that were institutional, systemic, racist policies. Right. Nobody seriously questions that. But the liberals made this a partisan issue, which it shouldn't have been because Republicans were clearly at the tip of the spear on the fight for civil rights. Liberals monopolized that movement and through their influence in the media and through their influence in academia, somehow convinced people that for you to be on the side of civil rights in the future, you had to be a liberal. Please understand what I'm telling you right now, because this is super critical. The Republicans, this was not the fight for civil rights, civil liberties for black Americans, women and others. This was not a partisan issue. There were Republicans clearly on the side of these fights. Matter of fact, in the civil rights fight, it was almost exclusively a Republican fight for a long time. Liberals, through their influence in the culture, through their influence in, in academia, through their influence in the, in, in the writing of the history books, through their influence in the entertainment industry, has somehow managed to convince the public that to be a fighter for civil liberties, for civil liberties for black Americans and others, that you not only have to be a liberal now, but you were a liberal back then when that is not in fact true. Now, in doing that, 
in doing that and making sure that the fight for civil liberties was always associated with liberalism and it was not a bipartisan issue. What happens, Joe? The problem with liberals is they have to constantly seek out new enemies. As each movement runs out of gas for them, the environmental movement or whatever it is, liberals have to paint themselves as the protector of these groups. But these groups, whether it's you know people who care about the earth, whether it's minority groups, have to constantly feel like they're under attack. So liberals have to constantly create new fights, Joe. New fights, uh, Islamophobia. Look, we're here to protect you against Islamophobia. Uh, against your traditional, you know, a uh, uh, black on white, you know, racism. We have to. We're the ones that have to defend you against us. They have to constantly create new enemies. But Shelby Steele's piece says, as the United States, thankfully, Joe grows, heals as a nation, right? As it starts to unwind, it's some, you know, sometimes very troubled history with race. That the search for new enemies gets more and more difficult mm-hmm. over time. And what's happening now is they're starting to, because they can't find, you know, simple, uh, easy cases like a, 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 a Republican with a bullhorn standing in front of a school screaming for segregation. By the way, those were Democrats who did that, who, uh, did that in the South, right? As they can't find those easy cases anymore, they have to go and fabricate these cases against Republicans and paint people as a racist who even minority groups right now are starting to say, wait, that doesn't sound right. Now, I have proof that this is backfiring in their face. Um, Approval amongst black voters, amongst Donald Trump, is going up. Approval amongst Hispanic voters for Donald Trump is going up. This is not working. This strategy of constantly seeking out new enemies and, and, and trying to fabricate bogus narratives against Donald Trump and others is not working anymore. Because the country is moving in a different place. The direction it's moving is not towards more victims of racism. It's less and less and less and less. So Steele's point is that in the future, they're going to have a very serious problem, Joe. The Democrat Party, because it's almost impossible to keep painting people as victims who simply don't feel like victims. I've got a job. I've got a new car. Things are going well. The economy's booming. No, by the way, no one's suggesting racism doesn't exist. We're saying that for Democrats to win elections, it has to exist on a national mm-hmm. systemic scale, on a mass scale where a national party will save you from it. You cannot have simple, isolated examples. It doesn't work. The, this is the folks. This is not. And, and here, by the way, one other demographic change here. The Democrats, there's a theory out there, the Democrats focus so heavily on maintaining their incredible lead with black voters because skin color is an obvious, I mean, it's obvious. You can see by looking at someone, if someone happens to be uh, black or someone happens to be white. So it makes it easier to put people in boxes they want, not us, not conservatives. Let's be clear. We don't give a damn about the melanin content of your skin. I, I, I could, I, let me be crystal clear. Not, no one I know in the Republican movement gives a damn about the melanin component of your skin. The Democrats do. They use it to stick you in a box. Look, if you happen to have this color skin, Republicans don't like you, therefore vote for us and we'll protect you. I'm bringing that up because they need that 90 plus percent 
uh, black voter support in elections to continue to win on a national basis. This is why they continue to harp on the racism approach. Joe, yeah. is this making sense? It's not. It, this isn't hard. They know conservatives are not racist. They make it up knowing that phenotypically the expression mm-hmm. of skin color is something people can easily see. Therefore, if you happen to look like this, Republicans hate you and we will protect you. They know that's false, that it's made up. They're losing that fight with Hispanic voters. You're seeing it in places like Texas, where Hispanic females, Hispanic men are marrying women or men who are white, Italian, German, whatever it may be. The next generation of kids without a phenotypic identifier uh, of of race or any, these kids identify as what? White or whatever. They just don't, they're American. Joe, you think I know a little bit about this? A little bit, yeah. (laughs) My wife, who happens to be a first-generation immigrant. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't practice identity politics in my house anyway, but my kids are, they're not white, they're not Hispanic, just Americans. I've never once heard my daughter go, Daddy, am I white? Or They don't care. But there's no phenotypic identifier for the Democrats to constantly target them and make them victims because my daughter is like, what do you mean? I'm a Hispanic voter and Republicans hate me, so I'm supposed to vote for Democrats? I don't get it. She's never identified herself as that. She's a kid. She's an American kid. This is why they continue to target the black community. But over time, as the black community, thankfully, as racism starts to ebb and the incidents of racism become more and more isolated and the people who practice racism become outcasts and become shunned as they should be by society, it's going to get more and more difficult for Democrats to appeal to black voters to say, look, we're here to protect you against those awful, horror, repu- horrible Republicans, because as black voters, as the economy improves, their job prospects inc- uh, improve, they're, they're, they're not going to get it. They're going to be like, I don't understand. I'm not being targeted by my skin color on some mass scale. Like you said, the Democrats are not stupid. They see this. They see that the demographic advantage amongst Hispanics is going to dissipate. It's already happening in Texas. We're upwards of 40% of identified Hispanic voters are now voting Republican. Matter of fact, Greg Abbott running for governor for re-election in Texas is up dramatically amongst Hispanic voters because it is harder for Democrats. Please tell me this makes sense, folks. I don't want to. This is a really critical point. The point takeaway number one, the Democrats are losing amongst Hispanic voters because they don't have a clear way to identify them because a lot of them don't identify Mm -hmm. as Hispanic voters. They identify as Americans, moms, dads, union workers. They they don't identify the way the Democrats want them to. The reason they are so desperate to hold on to the black community is because of phenotypic identifiers that make it, they can say, look, it is your skin color that makes Republicans hate you which you're not, you can't deny, which is nonsense. It's garbage. It's totally made up. But it's why they are in such fear of losing votes in the black community. It'll be over. The demographic advantage they have amongst Hispanic voters is going to dissipate. And I'm telling you, it's going to dissipate with black voters over time too. And they are panicking. It's a great piece by Steele. Um, I think it's subs- subscription only in the Wall Street Journal. But the points are worth repeating that the istophobic, phobophobe approach has no future, folks. It would have a future if racism was as widespread as the Democrats claim it is. 
The fact that it isn't is causing them a world of trouble right now because they are trying to get you to believe they're a victim they're going to protect you against. Well, a lot of people don't see it that way anymore. Critical, critical point. All right, folks, thanks again for tuning in. I really appreciate it. I hope today was helpful. And uh, listen to Kavanaugh, please, if you live in North Dakota, if you live in West Virginia, if you live in Indiana, if you live in Arizona with Jeff Flake, if you live in Maine with Susan Collins, it is your obligation to get in this fight, to call and email their offices and demand an upvote on Kavanaugh. This is no time to sit this one out, folks. I, you know, I love you all to death. But please, get involved. The do matters. The talk is cheap. All right, thanks for tuning in. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, on SoundCloud, iHeartRadio. It's free. It drives us up the charts. And please go to Bongino.com. Check out the show notes today. We really appreciate it. I'll see you all tomorrow. You just heard the Dan Bongino Show. Get more of Dan online anytime at conservativereview.com. You can also get Dan's podcasts on iTunes or SoundCloud. And follow Dan on Twitter 24-7 at DBongino.